Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome in to the Boys and Girl Podcast. With Cowboys NFL Network reporter Jane Slater and NFL Network producer Bobby Belt. A Cowboys community with the inside scoop on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, coming straight to you from the Lone Star State, here's Jane and Bobby. Well, it was a nice departure going and covering a few other teams last week. So I appreciate Bobby stepping up and our amazing guest. Uh, but unfortunately, fans, I'm back. So, hi, how are you? Uh, we have a lot to talk about as it relates to the Cowboys. I just, what I think of this team this year and the expectations after Jerry Jones finally made the gutting decision that led to Jason Garrett showing up the building every day with a binder underneath his arm and dutifully hoping that he would get a stay of execution. Cowboy fans celebrated not only the draft pick of CeeDee Lamb, but a coach with skins, Mike McCarthy. Hasn't exactly translated into the season that they had hoped for and were expecting. Some of it has to do with injuries, Bobby, and we'll get to those in a second, but a lot of teams are having to deal with injuries this year. Yeah, I mean, the, the team the Cowboys have coming up here, the the Browns, they've got a lot of injuries to deal with. I mean, the Seahawks had, you know, a, a lot of patchwork stuff that they were doing last Sunday against the Cowboys. And so injuries are an excuse. They're not necessarily a good excuse, though, for this Cowboys team. I mean, I think they, they definitely are missing some guys. They probably feel a little bit like we're not going to know who we are for real until probably mid-October when – you know, Randy Gregory gets reinstated fully. You get hopefully Leighton Vander Esch back and some of these corners start getting healthy. So uh, it, it may be a, a situation where the Cowboys are just kind of, you know, uh, we're going to fight and, and we're going to get as best we can until we get healthy. And, and that's not necessarily an excuse that they're giving. It's just this is the way it's got to be. And, and we, we got to kind of make do a little bit because they are decimated in the secondary. They've had issues at linebacker. They've, uh, you know, had the line. issues along the offensive line. They lost Blake Jarwin, their starting tight end. And uh, so, I mean, they, they've definitely had those issues. The thing that they don't want, um, you, you can't really do anything about injuries. You just adapt as best you can. The thing they don't want is they can't have 
three drops and, you know, two and a half yards per touch from Ezekiel Elliott. They can't have uh, Jalen Smith missing, you know, tackles consistently and, and still being a, you know, $60 million guy. They can't have uh, Dak Prescott turning the ball over. Um, they need to have him protecting the ball. They, they can't have, you know, some of these uh, occasional Amari Cooper focus drops. You you expect injuries. You deal with those what you can't have is all of that. And then along in the secondary, you can't have guys just making really low IQ reads and, and busted coverages, stuff that doesn't seem to even be a factor of trying to learn a new defense. This just seems like flat out low IQ stuff of, of, of not recognizing whose assignment is whose. You know, I think back to Jalen Smith's comment too uh, about throwing it out there a little bit, then maybe they need to simplify the playbook. If our fans aren't familiar with that one, let's play that one real quick. Do you think simplifying things the defense could benefit the group? Absolutely. Absolutely. In what way? I believe um, just allowing you more, allowing us more opportunities to hound in on what um, we're actually going to run in, in our game plan. Um, I believe it's important um, that each and every player knows in and out what they have to do. Um, and with a smaller playbook, you, can, you know, it gives us a better opportunity to do that. Um, and like I said, it's about us growing each and every week. Uh, the coaches are on the same page. The players are on the same page. Um, and we're just trying to do whatever it takes to, to, to get that much better each and every week. Is that players that aren't capable of learning this playbook or is it possibly too complicated? I- I don't know, but I got to tell you, for all the people that wanted Rod Marinelli out of here, haven't been overly impressed with Mike Nolan's defense. Now, again, injuries are an issue. I mean, you lose Gerald McCoy, you lose Leighton Van Der Esch, um, you know, you lose your two starting corners, Anthony Brown and Shadobi Awuzie. But even when they were healthy in that first game, I didn't think this team looked that good. No, and, and, you know, it's, again, it's one of those things where not even to mention he's been healthy for the season, but Jordan Lewis missed all the camp. Um you cut Xavier Woods too. Yeah. Xavier Woods was a big part of your problem last Sunday against the Seahawks. But I, I think overall, yeah, everybody's got to step up. You know, it was funny. We had uh Chidabe Awuzie had the, the funny line uh, during training camp when they asked him, you know, do you think about opting out at all? And he said, Nope, contract year, baby. And there's a lot of guys back there right now in contract years, Jordan Lewis, uh, Cheeto, you've got Xavier Woods is another one. Um, and, and it's, fascinating that they're seeming to have these issues not just with um again the adjustment or 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 skill players opposite them it's they're just dropping the ball in terms of uh, knowing really basic fundamental stuff that that should have been all ironed out already and and you can say maybe that's a a, an issue with you didn't have some of the same lead up time or some of the same work that you would normally get uh but everybody had those same sort of issues and and not everybody is having these same sorts of just busted coverage touchdowns i think there's four already on the year that were just left wide open by somebody not knowing an assignment including three last week uh against the seahawks and so uh you know as much as we heard some of the guys complaining after Chris Richard left that, hey, look, we weren't allowed to, to do certain things. You know, we, we were uh, limited in what we were allowed to do. They just wanted us to play this and, and you know, just give it our all in that, you know, context and, and not try and do anything different. And then Cheeto talking about it's great. You know, we're not statues anymore uh, pre-snap. We're, we're moving around. Guys don't know what we're doing. 
And then you see some of these blunders and you kind of wonder, maybe the last coaching staff had a good grasp on what you were able to handle. And and you thought you could handle more and that coaching staff knew you couldn't. And so they were making the best of it. And now Mike Nolan's potentially having to learn that himself. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is fascinating. And I do think the Cowboys are going to get a pass this year, especially in management, because they're going to be able to point to the fact, well, we've heard the excuses. They didn't have the preseason ramp up. Um you know, the injuries, you know, Mike McCarthy has talked about, you know, you didn't, this is not how you wanted to start your season. Again, I get all of it, but there's a lot of new coaches, right? Kevin Stefanski, who we're going to see. I mean, look at how improved the Browns are looking. Now, when we look at the quality of opponents, I think we can both agree that the Cowboys have had some tough ones to start this season, and it's not going to really get any easier. I mean, they've got the Giants will get easier for them the following week. Monday night football, Arizona Cardinals, that ain't going to be easy. I don't know if I'm overlooking Washington at that point, at this point. And then you've got, I believe, Philadelphia, uh, which, you know, might give you a little confidence back. But the schedule hasn't been easy when we look at the strength of their opponents either. No, it hasn't been. But, I mean, again, it also doesn't get much easier. You've still got games against Pittsburgh and Baltimore down the stretch. Um, I mean, I you mentioned Arizona. I don't know how exciting – it is for the Cowboys to, you know, have to game plan for uh, with how much the Cowboys seem to have issues with chasing, you know, eye candy and then getting lost and over pursuit. I don't know how exciting it is for the Cowboys that they're going to have to go against Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson and and all sort those sorts of issues they're going to have when they're in open space. Um, I just I, I think the one thing that is, you know, I, I said this this week because the Cowboy fans, you know, they, they get so worked up. I mean, Cowboys Twitter is something that is marvelous, quite frankly, especially when the team is not performing. I, I will I will say, though, I, I don't know if you would agree with this. I think that the fan base has been relatively calm for a one and two season. I think if this was one and two under Garrett, there would be much more burn it all down there. There almost seems to be some they're conditioned. They're it's weird. Now. They've, they've given it a, they've, they've almost, uh, they're giving some leeway here. That is, is unusual for the fan base. I feel, I mean, they're still upset, but I, I don't think they're doing the normal. Every loss with Jason Garrett was we're getting the number one pick. And, and now it's kind of <laughs> like, well, you know, we're still going to win the division though. This is a bad division. Yeah, I just, they're just not good right now. And that, it's that's, exact, that's exactly what it comes down to. They are not very good right now. And it's funny because you, I, I still hear it from some of my friends. It's fascinating. People see what they want to see. You know, we'd be doing better if we didn't have Dak. And I'm sitting there going, you would be doing, you might not have won a game this year no. without Dak Prescott. I mean, that Falcons game was all Dak. Yeah. Are they getting off to a slow start? Sure. I'll give you that. Uh, but Dak, I think, has been willing these teams into wins that they shouldn't be winning. And he's gotten them close. We can talk about the inability to get started uh, and get going early because it seems like that's a hangover from last year. So, again, I think we have to start saying this isn't necessarily the coaching staff. Maybe it is, in fact, the personnel. Well, you remember last year that we we asked them consistently in the locker room, you know, what's with the slow starts? Is this about preparation? And every player, especially I remember Jalen Smith was super aggressive about it when we would ask him about it. And Jalen Smith would say, these are not, you know, preparation issues. This is not a Monday through Saturday issue. This is a Sunday issue. These are These are day of mistakes. This is about execution, not about preparation. 
I'll say that I think in a few instances, in fact, just about all these games so far, I think you can make an argument they've looked flatter this year than any time they did last year. And so it makes me wonder if maybe um, the McCarthy preparation at this point, it's still trying to find its footing. Maybe the McCarthy preparation isn't as solid in terms of getting them prepared for all possibilities on game day the way Jason Garrett's was. So now you're compounding a little bit poorer preparation with guys who still are making day of mistakes and it's causing you to fall down 20 to nothing to the Falcons, 30 to 15 to the Seahawks and, and looking at, you know, some trouble coming up this weekend with, you know, Austin Hooper, a pro bowl tight end, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, pro bowl receivers, Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt pro bowl running backs. And, and, you know, a lot, a really strong offensive line there in Cleveland. Um, and so I think that they can't really afford to get off to another slow start. If Cleveland comes out, guns blazing and torches your secondary and gives you trouble there, um, and Dak is having to dig you out of another 14 nothing hole or 21 nothing hole, and you're you know doing some of the things you've done in these first few games, busted coverages, fumbling five times in one quarter, um, I, I don't know that... And if you don't think for a second Baker Mayfield is going to smell himself... If he gets off to a quick start at AT&T Stadium, a place he's very familiar with, and, and what I believe is going to fill a little bit more home field advantage for him. I, I, I also think just not having the fans in the stands. I, I know people and, and Jerry's talked about he wants to ramp it up a little bit more. We'll see what that looks like. We're at 75 percent capacity here for restaurants and uh bars and things along those lines what was what was the what was the attendance uh, against atlanta it was 21 something 21 21 a little over 21 so yeah and jerry said i think uh on friday on 105 through the fan with knc masterpiece uh i believe he said he was aiming for twenty five thousand. um and so and i I gotta say i I don't know about you we we didn't get a chance to talk about this because you were off last week and i i didn't chat much about it but I did feel like there was some crowd noise pumped in. They were, you know, able to do that. But I felt like the crowd did a pretty decent job with as, you know, scattered as they were, at least creating some sort of, you know, NFL game atmosphere. I felt like there was actually some sort of like, it it felt more like football than some of these other games you're seeing with empty stadiums. I I think even a little bit of fans does help a team. Oh, for sure. And, you know, when I was in Jacksonville and talking to the players about it, one of the players, it was LaVisca Chenault, said it best. He was like, we play this game for the fans. Like, a lot of these guys play for the fans. And when they talk about it's freshman JV football energy, it really is. And so, look, there's a lot of mitigating factors, I think, that that, uh, have contributed to the Cowboys literally not even meeting expectations this year. Uh, but I think it's very possible you could have a team that finishes worse than an eight and eight record. I, I truly believe that it, given some of the injuries and the schedule. It is. And I think it's also possible that I think there are several possibilities. I think it's not outside the realm possibility. That this team goes six and 10 misses the playoffs and it's a disaster. I think it's not outside the realm possibility that they write the ship and they go 11 and five and they are one of the better teams in the NFC. I think it's possible they go eight and eight, seven and nine and end out winning the division as like a 500 team. And then, you know, get into the playoffs as a team that could either get roasted in the first round or could be one of these teams. That's a tough out because you never know which team is going to show up. That was the issue last or year. It could be like the Eagles team when they won the Super Bowl. You, you, you know, it's like, you never know. Anything is possible. I'm just saying right now, watching this team, they're not good. No, and it's specifically on defense. I'd say... And I think what's maddening... I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. What's maddening is they look good, 
when their backs are against the wall. I mean, they do things where you sit there and you're like, why can't they sustain this energy and enthusiasm for this game for four quarters starting in the first? Because if you just look at that Atlanta Falcons game, break it up, and you look at the first half versus the second half, two completely different football teams. Yeah, especially on offense. Um, And, you know, it's funny. Remember, it was 2018. The line driven into the ground was backs against the wall mentality that they got three and five, and then they rattled off, you know, six wins in a row or whatever they did. Um, And it is bizarre that they they almost – need that sort of and I remember that was a a conversation last year because they were consistently losing in the first quarter they almost need to be in in panic mode to wake up uh and I think a sports psychologist you know some people flourish in chaos yeah they they literally thrive for chaos I feel like that's the cowboys yeah and I think that they need a windy roads from secession I think that's to per- literally get in their heads. They need a sports psychologist. I think that's I think that's particularly true about the defense. I think the offense has been moving the ball generally pretty well. The Atlanta game was brutal. That was lack of prep. I don't know what that was. That was a focus issue. You don't fumble five times because that defense is all world. You fumble five times because you've got your own issues. Well, Seattle's not a great example either, my friend. No, no, no. But I'm just saying they were moving the ball against Seattle pretty consistently. They scored early on. Um, they had 15 at halftime. They'd scored two touchdowns by halftime. Um, they, they took the lead against the Rams either by halftime or early in the third quarter. I can't remember. Um, and so they, they are moving the ball well on offense, but on defense, you're right. Because on defense, it's, you know, I think against the Falcons, they had finally locked it up and there were like three possessions in a row where the Falcons didn't score. And then against the Seahawks, they didn't score after the interception and a quick touchdown to start the third quarter. The Seahawks didn't score again until that touchdown with, you know, a minute left, two minutes left. Um, and so the defense, well, and- for some reason, seems to get into this critical point where it's like, um, You've got to, you can't allow, you literally cannot now allow another score. No matter how many times we give Dak the ball, no matter how many times they score, if you give up another one, that's going to be one too many. And then they sort of lock down. And so it, that, that to me is a sign of an immature team, a team that needs that, you know, needs to that sort of motivation in order to just play their game. That is an immature young football team to me. Which is which is inexcusable because it's been so up tempo for them, and given the injuries on defense, if that's necessarily a good thing for the defense. Bucky Brooks said this. I know Bucky Brooks talked to DallasCowboys.com. He said that if he was uh, helping game plan for the Cowboys, he would be trying to slow things down, run the ball a little bit more, keep them off the field. Not necessarily because of you know tiring them out, but keep them off the field to limit the opportunities for them to and and that is a fair point but it is again interesting to look at and go but I mean they four possessions in a row the Seahawks didn't score in the second half and you were able to get back and and so it's it's like they can lock it down almost when they want to but I mean you can't have guys like Everson Griffin disappearing for like the entire first three weeks of the season you can't have veteran football players Darian Thompson Xavier Woods who who are not these aren't really young guys anymore these are guys who are Thompson's in his fifth year in the league. Xavier Woods is in his fourth. They've played tons of football. Um, you can't have guys who just get caught peeking in the backfield and and don't, you know, just kind of fall asleep at the wheel and, and don't understand their assignments. And and so that's why I say it's, it's like a lot of really bad... Re- Some of the mistakes you're seeing veterans make 
are of a rookie level, which is funny because some of the rookies we're seeing right now, CeeDee Lamb, Trayvon Diggs, they're playing with veteran IQ and they're, and they're making high IQ plays. Trayvon Diggs punching out the ball on, on the goal line. Uh, the third busted touchdown, I think, against the Seahawks. You see Trayvon Diggs pointing to Tyler Lockett and telling people in the secondary, I'm letting him go. Somebody pick him up. He's pointing and signaling to somebody off on the other side. And a, an entire other half of field full of veterans didn't pick him up. It was the rookie who called it out correctly. And the veterans are the ones who dropped the ball. And, and well, so and I think some of that, like I said, comes from his receiving background and his work with his brother, Stefan. Uh, but I also think regardless of what this season ends up being, it's not terrible that you're getting so many of these young guys on the football field and meaning meaningful playing time at a lot of these positions. Sure. As, as long as it doesn't it's going to help them with cap, it's going to help them when they renegotiate contracts. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's helpful. For another, you don't get another injury. I, I think the reps are helpful. Um, it is interesting to me, though, that, you know, they, they say that Brandon Carr is going to be playing a little more corner. Daryl Worley is going to play a little more corner. Less of this going back and forth between safety because they're just so thin at corner right now with their injuries. But then Brandon Carr goes out there and plays three snaps at corner. It's like, okay, well, you, you couldn't have put him in at safety at all because Brandon Carr, I promise you, would not have made those IQ mistakes. That's a veteran guy who understands. It's just, I there seems to be. off to the side with Trayvon Diggs the other day, which I thought was interesting. Just those two one-on-one. That's a good person for, to, for Trayvon Diggs to be working with. That's the exact mm-hmm. right person to talk to Trayvon Diggs and, and help him out. And Trayvon Diggs has done some good things, but Trayvon Diggs is also a rookie and he's still been uh, burned a couple times and he still had some rookie mistakes a few times. And so... It's, it's something just fascinating to me that year in and year out, it's no surprise that this is an issue for this team. Well, and I mean, we, we all of a sudden appreciating Jeff Heath and Byron Jones's contributions to this defense. Well, it, and it's it's one of those things where, you know, last year we were all left kind of wondering, why is this football team eight and eight? How can they win six games this season by 20 points? How can they go? And then they lose to the Jets and they lose to you know, an Eagles team that's missing a bunch of guys. What's going on here? How is it that you can go out there and beat the Rams 44 to 15 and then lose 17 to nine and show you can't do anything. And so we were constantly wondering like, what is it about this team that they're playing down below expectations, either analytical expectations or, or just their talent level this year. There is no question. You do not have to wonder why is this team one and two it's, it's staring you in the face. That secondary is awful and the defense as a, uh, overall as a whole has just not been very good or very disciplined. It's terrible. <laughs> what was that stat that we had this week? Uh, was it 97 points, 1,200 yards, three, three games, franchise worst through three games? I, there, it's just it's, – it's, it's ugly baby right now. It's an ugly baby. And it's so hard for people to look at this team and say, that's a cute baby. It is an ugly – Baby, and like I said, I, I get some of the injuries, but I, I got to think as a fan, this has been a very challenging year. But I, I do believe there's a level of apathy at this point. Well, and um, I guess the interesting thing for me, and obviously we're three weeks into the season, a lot can change. They started out three weeks into the season last year. Everybody was going, "Can they go sixteen and oh Wow, this looks oh like the God. best offense in football. They're beating everybody by twenty points. Um, it's still a long season. They can turn this around. They can do things differently. You know, I mean, goodness knows if you look at some of their history, 
They were 5-3 and three in 2017, just beat the Chiefs, looked to be going on the way up, and then they crashed and burned. And 2018, they started out 3-5, and five, and then they made the playoffs, and they got it. They won a playoff game. And then last year, started out hot and fizzled. So it'd be totally within the realm of the Cowboys to, you know, all of a sudden change exactly what they are a couple weeks into the season. Um, but it is interesting to look at, you know, like you said, 97 points given up, over 1,200 yards. That's the most in franchise history through three games. Uh, they've picked up over 1,400 yards of offense through the first three games. They're the first team in NFL history to have a losing record while doing that in the first three games. Um, and so I, I'm going to be interested to so see, d- depending on what the Cowboys do, if this continues to be a struggle deep into the season, I'll be interested to see if Jerry and Steven look at this and say, okay, was Mike McCarthy not the guy for this job, or are we going to have to do some house cleaning and partner up with Mike McCarthy to say, what kind of guys do you need who are who are going to be able to do what you need to do? And and if it's going to well, be a reset for some of these players. And I do think it's interesting, the Kellen Moore decision from Mike McCarthy, the letting the team sort of handle the personnel. It's going to be very easy for him to say at the end of the season, hey, it wasn't all me. Yeah. Or, or I mean, like it, it could be easy to let go of just about anybody, not just Kellen Moore, but I mean, a lot of these defensive coaches, there's, it's not unreasonable to think Mike Nolan could be one and done if they continue to struggle. Um, You've got a lot of guys in the secondary who are, their contracts are running out. Xavier Woods, Jordan Lewis, Cheeto, they're, they're all out. Um, Their contracts are all done. Uh, And so they, they're, there's a chance for them to clean house if they want to, in terms of with personnel. So if they if this is a year where they struggle, I'll be interested to see how much do they feel need, the reset button needs to be hit. Also with Dak Prescott entering a contract negotiation again next offseason, how much do they feel the need to reset some of their personnel versus potentially reset some of their coaching staff versus just say it's COVID and and we didn't get a look at this team the way Mike McCarthy wanted to build them up from an offseason program forward. And so we're just going to call that a wash and move forward. Part of me believes that it would probably be the latter that Jerry and Steven would look at it and go you know what it was such a weird year we're writing it off we like our team we like our staff we're gonna go forward because you have to admit that you did something wrong yeah yeah uh I also think when we look at the contracts that were doled out over the last couple of years with the exception of Ezekiel Elliott some of those contracts aren't looking so good. Demarcus Lawrence, one of them that sort of disappeared. I'm wondering if there is an injury deal. Oh, he's 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 hurt. Back. He's got the knee injury. Didn't practice on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Friday was limited. Looks like he's going to play this weekend. Uh, some good news, at least for the offensive line and Dak Prescott, as I read the injury report that came out uh, here today. Didn't practice on Wednesday, which... Still very fascinating to me because he was out there. Uh, limited on Thursday, limited on Friday. He's listed as questionable. I think there's a good chance he plays I think I think he probably plays on Sunday. I think he's going to be good to go this week. Um, I, I don't think it was as close as the Cowboys seemed to be making it out to be the last two weeks. I don't think there was any chance he was playing the last two weeks, and I think he had a big hand in that. And I think that... Uh, he's probably more comfortable with, if he's going to play the Sunday, that means to me anyway, that Tyron Smith feels more comfortable with where he's at more than the coaching staff. All of a sudden feels he's ready. Um, but and then it, quick update on Lel Collins uh, this week, when I reached out to a source on that one, still the most 
interesting, confusing situation. The most confusing situation since Lucky Whitehead. Not I don't quite. know if I'd go there. There's <laughs> a different there. level of Lucky confusing. Was an interesting, was an interesting uh, player on this roster for things completely unrelated. But I, I do think I was told that he was able to work out the summer. In other words, my handle on that was like run on the treadmill, do some lifting, no different than I do in my condo during COVID. But when it came to the actual like moving bodies around on the offensive line and some of the work that came with it, this hip injury was nagging. And my question was, well, why not just go get surgery? And I was told, which didn't really make sense, but if it was week 10 and they were 0 and 8, which again, doesn't add up, uh, they'd probably be looking at getting surgery for him. So there's that. Then we're also told he wasn't conditioned. So was he not conditioned because of this nagging hip injury that popped up at some point? Something's going on with him. Just even he's kind of low-fish at practice. We've seen him out there. I don't know if this is more mental with him, and I wouldn't knock him for that. I know a lot of people have dealt with that with COVID. I, I don't know, and I sh- probably shouldn't, and I won't speculate here, uh, but I, I, I do think there's just there's some levels to this. I well, don't know what it is, but there's levels to it. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to remember what it was. It may have been back in February. Um, I mean, I saw him – uh, out at a gym, out at a facility when I was, you know, checking out some draft prospects and he looked fine then. Um, but again, that was pre-quarantine. That was when a lot of guys' workout habits changed. Uh, you know, a lot of them, uh, we interviewed all those prospects leading up to the draft who were talking about, you know, I'm, you know, using tires in my, uh, you know, barn or whatever to, to like get a workout in or I'm, you know, James Morgan, like, oh, yeah, my family is like simulating being <laughs> defensive ends, like coming at me. Um, and it may have just been a case where uh, Lyle was one of those victims of not having the right tools to to stay where he needed to be. Now, I do think I, I think it was a conditioning thing when camp first started. And Mike McCarthy, uh, I believe it was David Hellman tweeted this out on August 15th. I think Mike McCarthy said nothing we're worried about with Lyle Collins. So I do think something's changed. Either something was made worse or they discovered something or, or something happened in August. Um, but I think something definitely changed. I think right now you wouldn't just have him, you know, still on IR for just a conditioning issue. There's something clearly wrong with him health wise. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for, or the perfect table. Hey, where are you coming? And when you get access to Resi priority notify with your Amex platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. 
Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. One of the many mysteries as it applies to this team and our inability to actually go in a locker room and do some digging. And as Jory Epstein told us, her experience has been the same. We can't get players to get back to us. Thanks, Mike. So I call some BS on some of the stuff that's happening this this year as it relates to COVID and our ability to report. We want to introduce a new segment here on the Boys and Girl podcast. Don't BS me right now, okay? I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Bullshit, 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 bullshit. For the record, have you ever used steroids, human growth hormone, or any other performance-enhancing substance? No. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I don't understand. How are we BSing you? Exactly. I'm BS-proof. All right, so this is a new segment, Bobby Calls BS. This is actually uh, created and named by Jane Slater. Because we were out there on Thursday, and uh, I was sharing a uh, another one of my famous Cowboys conspiracies, which anybody on the beat, anybody who works with us will tell you, uh, I'm always throwing out that I don't think we're getting the absolute truth, whether it be from the Cowboys or, um, you know, an American Idol result or, like, whatever it is. Like, I think we're being duped consistently. And so... still on. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm just talking about, like, back in the day. Like, I just... I, I, don't, I don't... I don't, I don't believe... I don't believe Jennifer Hudson was seriously the eighth place on American Idol. Uh, I think there was some foolishness going on there, but she's got vibes. She does. Uh, so the first thing I want to address here is uh, that CD lambs reduction in snaps in the second half of last Sunday's game was about load management. Here's Mike McCarthy earlier in the week. Mike, uh, CD lamb was on the field for the last few plays. Uh, is, is he healthy or did he just, is he just part of a rotation that that's why he wasn't out there for that? Yeah, I, I think like anything, there's, there's a number of things that go on during the course of the game. Um, you know, communication and things like that. I, mean, let's, I think CD, if you look at just pure workload in training camp, you know, uh, I, I, he's clearly one and two at the top of, of the number of plays and, and how much work he's done. So, um, you know, I, I think he was, you know, a little little affected in the game, you know, you know from workload too. So, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, we dressed six receivers. Um, I can see right away starting in training camp, Dak has, he has great uh, confidence in all those guys. You know, it was the first time we went with 10 personnel, four wide receivers into the game. So, yeah, th- those guys are playing a lot, a lot of reps, you know, a lot of reps. Okay, now that one is certified garbage, and I will tell you why. And Jane can tell you if she thinks I'm crazy. Uh, we'll Which, put it- by the way, if you aren't watching us on YouTube, you should just see Bobby's face as he even just references this. Because it is, I 100% we're being lied to. I, I believe that we are being lied to. Um, I'll put it up here on the screen here. This is CeeDee Lamb running back a punt against the Seahawks last Sunday in the third quarter. After that punt return where you clearly see his ankle get rolled up in the turf and it looks bad. It looked like it could have been a really bad injury. Um, he did not come out and play the very next series. Up to that point, he had played about 80% of the snaps. After that, he played 40% the rest of the way. He missed the final five snaps of the game when the Cowboys most needed a touchdown. I don't buy that that's when you make the decision to start getting into load management is, you know, when you need a touchdown at the end of the fourth quarter and you're going to Noah Brown instead. So I'm not saying that I think it's a serious injury that's going to keep him out this week or anything like that, but I think he was hurt and I think that's why he was out of the game. I just think that he wasn't in a place to be as effective because there's no way you can pop up and, and not have that ankle hurt you. So am I crazy, Jane? Uh, 
I think you're reaching a little bit, mostly based on the fact that I saw him at practice this week, especially working with special teams, and I didn't see anything there. I think it's very possible that he pulled up with something and they said, we need this kid. We don't need another injury. We're just going to have you just sit over there for a little bit. We've got three other wide receivers to use. I think if you had kept him in the game, he might have exacerbated said injury. But, you know, we'll see. That's that's why I say I, I'm not saying it's necessarily going to keep him out, but I think that the reasons given to us are kind of below. I think it's semantics with McCarthy sometimes. Semantics so, semantics is a really gracious way of of describing what how Mike McCarthy plays with uh, the facts sometimes. But fans love to see it because he's given them what we're being led to believe is a competitive advantage. Haven't I, seen a translate you, yet. You know, it's it's the matrix. You uh, just you you want to be told everything's all right, and uh, you know you don't want to take the red pill and see how deep the rabbit hole goes. But uh, number two, the other thing I'm calling BS on uh, Stephen Jones earlier this week. He says the Cowboys are confident that their personnel in the secondary can get the job done. Here he is on 105.3 The Fan. Do you anticipate bringing in any defensive backs or safeties to look at it all this week? Uh, not at this point, no. We've got, uh, hopefully, we've got some guys who are coming our way in terms of, uh, you know, guys coming off the three-week IR and really feel like, uh, you know, with what we have in our camp right now, had a couple guys we brought on the practice squad that made some headway last last week that aren't quite ready, but Overall, feel like uh, we got the guys here on campus ultimately that can get the job done for us. All right, uh, I don't believe this. Uh, I think this is uh, just a vote of confidence early in the season. I think maybe they don't feel like there's somebody they want to go out and get involved with right away. Um, maybe Stephen didn't want to keep the door open for Earl Thomas by saying, "Yeah, we're interested in people," uh, the way Jerry had. Sure. Um, but I think that what we're looking at here is similar to, and I've made this comparison in recent weeks. I think we're looking at. What they did with the running backs in 2015, where they said, nah, DeMarco, we don't need you. You can go on. We're going to do by committee. And then they went, um, okay, let's go trade for Kristen Michael. Let's go sign Robert Turbin. 2018. Bye, Des. We don't need you. We can do the committee. Um, Yeah, uh, let's go sign Bryce Butler. Okay, that didn't work. Uh, let's go trade for Amari Cooper. I think similar thing. They said, bye, you know, Byron Jones. The first Hail Mary was, let's bring back Brandon Carr. We got to do something. And I think eventually they're either going to have to go trade for a veteran, you know, sign somebody off the street. They're going to have to do something. And I think Stephen Jones knows that. And he knows that this personnel, no matter when they get healthy or not, this personnel is not going to be the type of secondary that can win them a Super Bowl. So my theory is a little different. Perhaps it's a bit of a conspiracy theory. I'm not saying the Cowboys have given up on this season. Jerry always wants his teams to be competitive. But given the challenges with COVID, and they've all said it, and sort of given the false start that Mike McCarthy got as a head coach, why go and spend a bunch of money or trade right now in the secondary when you do have guys that are going to come back in a couple of weeks? But why go buy a luxury outfit? My... This, I, I say outfit because I haven't gone shopping this year to get any fancy clothes for game day. It's not that I've given up on the season. I'm just like, point. I don't have anyone to really show it off to when I'm at when I'm at the field. There's not a lot of fans. I'm wearing more tennis shoes than I do heels. I've just sort of leaned in a little bit. And it's a terrible comparison but that's kind of how I've looked at it for the Cowboys. So you think just Stephen Jones doesn't want the you know tight leopard print mini skirt? He uh, he wants the yoga pants, and he thinks yoga pants are going to be good enough. 
I think he's shopping at Target this year instead of Neiman's. Okay. All right. I, I just think that there's a, I think whether it's, they look at it and go, look, we got some comp picks coming from Randall Cobb and Robert Quinn and everything. We're going to have a surplus of picks. Let's move a fifth rounder for somebody's, you know, nickel corner that they've fallen out of love with. Or, you know, let's go find a team that has a surplus of corners that uh, is in need of a receiver. We've got a plethora of them. Let's move a Noah Brown or a Cedric Wilson. Why give it up this year? I mean, that those might be valuable for you next offseason. Maybe you you don't. Um, But I think that if you get into the season and you think we've Dak's contract done. We've I, seen him already kind of making money moves. I think if you get into the season and go, or, or you get further into the season, and you go, okay, we've kind of righted some of our wrongs and uh, we feel good about a lot of aspects of our team. I think that health and time is one of the, th- the only position that will not be fixed by health and time and things like that is the secondary. And so if everything else is working for you midway through the season, I think you may go, we're going to have to bolster the secondary somehow. I, I see, and I'm wondering if they're more concerned about the offensive line and the health of some of their it's veterans. Possible. That they're saving their pennies in the event they have to do. That it's more important to protect their quarterback than it is to protect the end zone from the passing game at this point, in my opinion. Well, we got uh, uh, finally here on uh, what Bobby calls BS. Before we talk to uh, Mark Sessler from around the NFL uh, about his beloved uh, Cleveland Browns, final one here. Uh, I'm calling BS on the idea that there was enough audience demand for a Borat sequel that Sasha Baron Cohen had to uh, actually make another film. Um, This is a terrible take. The first one, the first one was great. The first one was great. It doesn't have a lot of replay value. Because I feel like you're you're more just kind of shocked by like all the initial reactions and stuff. It's not like super sharp writing. It's more fun reality TV of sorts or a prank show. So that that doesn't have a long shelf life. But I gotta say, 14 years later, now you're putting up a sequel on Amazon when everybody knows it, uh, knows who Borat is. So I, I don't buy that anybody's really now, gonna fall for the minute. prank. There's so this is this is gonna be scripted. Generation that is not familiar with him. I don't think so. I, I don't think I don't if you're, you're going to do this, if you're going to you do this, I feel about this, go 25 years later, then you're going to make an R rated film 14 years later. That's not the, I kind of love that instead of a monokini, it is a mask. Well, you and Sasha Baron Cohen are the only ones who thought there should have been a sequel, I guess. Um, because I don't think well, there's enough demand to justify doing this 14. This feels like a fuller house making the full house sequel or, uh, you listen, know, I, I hate the reboots. I hate the sequels like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Can't say I'm buying into that uh, one. My Did wife was super Keanu disappointed. She was so excited. She's so disappointed at how it was. But I think that making Barat Barat now, I feel like these days you can't be as edgy as you used to be in comedy. So so what if he comes a, out here and he's PC Borat? Isn't it ruined at that that's point? That's my point is not everybody's lap. Like sometimes when I go back and I watch stuff on friends sex in the city you name it i'm like man you i don't know if you get away with that right now you know people aren't laughing a lot and they shouldn't there's been a lot of serious stuff going on but i think it's harder to be edgier i watched the south park special the other day on the pandemic we did too and my wife made us very edgy my wife made us turn it off when she saw the bat when she saw the the part with uh, Randy with thinking Mickey back Bell, on the bat, the when she saw yeah. when she saw the bat, she was like, "Okay, turn this off." I was like, "Okay." So I'll have to go back and finish it by myself. She didn't but think I that thought, was funny. I think how edgy South Park has been over the years, and it was one of those that I used to sneak over to my friend Chris Hickman's house and watch it because my parents wouldn't let me, and I would just snicker and I thought it was the funniest thing ever. And I'm like, 
this is edgy. So that's my thought. I mean, I think you say you can't say the same things you said on TV, you know, 15, 20 years ago. I sometimes just look at tweets from two years ago and go, man, if somebody dug out this two-year-old tweet, you'd be canceled. Not you, but I mean, just in general, anybody. That's fair. So I don't know. Let's uh, let's talk to Mark Sessler now, see if he has any uh, old tweets that could potentially get him canceled. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, I am so excited to welcome in this guest, Mark Sessler, writer and one of the one of four talented hosts on the Around the NFL podcast, which by the way, love that you guys are now on our TVs. That's Friday nights, correct, Mark? It's uh it's actually it used to be on Fridays and it's now on Saturday mornings at um five o'clock where we live in Los Angeles in the morning. So I don't know what sort of and I think it took a pandemic for us to get on to NFL Network. I'll always view <laughs> Corona as sort of the trigger on that one. So, you know, um, but yeah, it's it's basically our weekly preview show that's on Saturdays now. And it airs again at, I think, seven at night on the West Coast. I'm not I'm not an expert with all the times, but it's on there. You can find it if you, if you, if you, uh, you could TiVo it, whatever you need to do. Well, it is a dynamic show with dynamic personalities. I love all four of you um, and I, Erica Tamposi too. Let's put her in the mix. You're pretty you better mention her. She, she's not going to be happy if you don't mention her. So Ricky Hollywood. Um, but as much as I've wanted to have you on a podcast to talk existential threats and all sorts of weird things, because you and I can really go deep on stuff. Oh yeah. I want to talk to you about something near and dear to your heart. This is a Cowboys podcast, but this week our worlds collide. The Browns are coming to Dallas. What are your thoughts, Mark? It's, um, you know, in another world, this team would have been rolling into Dallas 0-3, and you're kind of, as a Browns fan, programmed to um, psychologically let the season float away by early October, because it typically has. I mean, if you look at their history, uh, it's funny, the other night I was watching this 1994 game when Bill Belichick was the Browns coach, of and it was, <laughs> right, that's what I do at nights at this point. Hey, that's what um, I do too. I do those same sort of things. Bobby, I've got a stack of old games, so yeah, I go through all of them. 
Well, you know this one, then maybe it's that it's that it was the clash between Belichick and Barry Switzer and the Browns mm-hmm. won at the last second. Eric Turner stopped, you know, a Cowboys receiver at the at the goal line. So I was looking at this like that's the last time that a Browns Cowboys game had any meaning to it. So I think when you ask what I'm feeling, it's like I'm feeling strange that this game, I think, for both teams is a pivotal moment heading into, you know, the second quarter pole of the season after this after Sunday. So you aren't feeling dangerous as Bobby is today and has clearly wants our listeners that are not watching this on YouTube. I always enjoy some of his hidden messages. Uh, Bobby, <laughs> you're feeling dangerous today. Why? I'm, I'm, I'm asking, are we feeling dangerous? I'm feeling, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm feeling a little uh, just pro Longhorns today. So I've got the, the sarcastic, uh, are we feeling dangerous behind me? I've got the... The Longhorns up here today after uh, Oklahoma lost last week and uh, Texas was able to uh, beat Texas Tech. It doesn't matter that, you know, they should have lost that game and and it was actually pathetic that it got that long. They count the standings all the same, just like Dallas beating Atlanta. So we're going to we're going to be happy with it. And and we'll take two and oh, while LSU and OU and all those others are one and one. But I am curious about Baker it, it's funny, it, you know, he came onto the scene and I think a lot of people felt like, uh, you know, it was a shock in the first place that he was picked as the first overall pick. Um, it was something that wasn't really on anybody's radar. It didn't seem like until as a realistic choice anyway, until about a day or so uh, before the draft. Comes onto the scene, has a pretty good rookie year, and then last year everything kind of fell apart for him. And then so far this season, you know, they are 2-1, and one, but they've leaned heavily on the running game. Baker's not doing, you know, a ton of stuff downfield. It's, it's been a lot of safe, uh, throws for Baker so far this year. Uh, what's your assessment of Baker at this point and, and what kind of a player do you think we can say he is, you know, two years and three games into his career now? Yeah, I think, you know, I, maybe we all have a moment in, in our own careers where you kind of think that you're a little farther along than you are and maybe you lose your your head a little bit. And I think that that happened to Baker Mayfield last year. And I think that happened to him combined with the Freddie Kitchens coaching experience. Um, and you just hear from some Browns players and really the whispers began kind of at the Pro Bowl after that season and, and continued that they were a disorganized mess, that players individually didn't have, um, you know, tangible goals they weren't given those that games um that you you saw the players lashing out at coaches on the sideline by the end of the year and some of that was that they just said we we, you didn't have like a game plan after the first couple drives so i think that the whole like arrival of kevin stefanski who flew down right away to meet baker um before corona hit and stuff uh just to stress like we're going to build an organized offense. Every player on this offense is going to have a clear role. They're going to know what it is. You're going to have weekly, monthly, monthly, annual goals. And every player has just sort of talked about how everything has changed and evolved from where they were. So you're seeing more cohesiveness. And when it comes to Baker, I think last year he thought, well, there's, there's so much disorganization around me. I'm going to have to try to save the game, save the day, you know, week after week. And it was a disaster. He, I think he may be as a rookie when he was feeling dangerous and all that stuff was happening. It's almost like it's better as some of these rookie quarterbacks, when you don't really know what you don't know, you can kind of be free and lean on instincts, but then suddenly, you know, he was in his kitchens was his third coach and essentially third kind of scheme. I mean, even though it didn't look like the offense from the year before they lean on all these three wide sets. There was a lot of forcing the ball to Odell Beckham this year. I think they're saying, look at Kevin Stefanski is bringing the offense largely from what Minnesota was a year ago, run heavy, 
use our tight ends. We can still have good wide receivers, but don't put the quarterback in a position typically to have to throw the ball 50, 60 times with everyone healthy. It's really worked. And so I think most Browns fans or people watching the team would say, I don't mind this version of Baker. I think he can do more. And I think Sunday is definitely going to be a time where you're going to see them throw the ball more based on what Dallas is and what Cleveland is in general. It has the makings of a shootout. I think we can all see that. Um, that would be a test for Baker Mayfield because when he, when they got off their game script in week one against Baltimore, and that was week one and they hadn't had any preseason, it was an epic disaster. So the last two games, I think, represent what they want to be. And the test against Dallas would for Baker and everyone else would be, can you control the way this game looks? Because that, to me, is something that they've not been able to do against better offenses. I got to tell you, Bobby, when I look at this game, I don't feel good for Dallas, which is crazy. I mean, the fact that we could be talking on Monday about the Browns beating the Cowboys, especially with Mike McCarthy as a coach. But to your point, yeah, they're running the ball more. But when you look at this secondary in Dallas, I'd be throwing the ball. Wouldn't you, Bobby? I mean, just look. We, we covered this this week. The busted coverages uh, the Chidobia Wuzier, Anthony Brown on IR and Trayvon Diggs. It was like a little bit of load management this week. I'd be throwing the ball all day if I was them. Not to mention you've got guys like Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Um where do you see that being a problem for him, though? Are, is the communication there this season? Do you think that that's something that would make sense for them on Sunday? This is for me? Yeah. And communication in terms of, like, Baker Mayfield and the like how how is How is it when everyone thought about Jarvis Landry and Odo Beckham coming to Cleveland, it was almost like, oh, they've got a super team. They're immediately going to be great. But there were some communication issues yeah. last year. Kind of to your point, the offense, I think. But have you noticed that they're gelling more? I think they are. And I think that there's probably just, first of all, I, I really, I don't underestimate the the injuries that Odell Beckham were, was dealing with a year ago and played through. And Jarvis, you know, had off-season surgery too. So these guys were, Jarvis, Jarvis was the heart of the team last season. I think the Odell thing, um, I, I from an as, from an outside viewpoint, I say two things that I think that Baker Mayfield was the alpha male of that team in 2018, and when when Odell Beckham comes in, I think it changed the comp the sort of the dynamic of of the of the huddle and and everything around it, and there was a lot of forcing the ball to Odell Beckham, and a lot of it didn't go well, and I think this year again, it's just that the they're going to give it to Beckham when it when it makes sense. And, you know, Beckham had a comment this week that one of the goal, his goals, personal goals is to have Nick Chubb be the leading rusher. Now, I don't think that's just lip service. I think they are buying into the team concept. It is fair to wonder if the Odell Beckham experience will ever really maximize the way it did in New York. I just, I don't know if it's that type of offense. Um, I don't like when there's this pressure for Odell to have these big games because it's just, it's, it's not controllable the way I think other teams with their passing attacks function. I mean, Dallas for one of them, you can look at Seattle. It's like, you can look at those teams and you know what those wide receivers typically are going to produce as a group. It's going to be large. I mean, I think with Odell, it's been underwhelming because other parts of the team have been working it the way they want to, but for this whole thing that Odell Beckham is a drama magnet, he's never really complained. Um, I just think that there's pressure. There was a moment when uh, when another player scored last week that that Baker ran up to to Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham and put his arms around them. And he just said, "Patience, it's going to come." And so I think that that's I don't think that's lip service either. I I think that they mean that. I think that it's a part of Baker Mayfield's makeup to want to to shine with Odell Beckham. 
And, you know, there are going to be games where that's necessary. I, I, I would point again to Sunday. You're not going to play the Bengals and Washington, um, you know, every week. And it, those were games where they were able to control their environment. I just think that will that will melt away pretty quickly when you play better teams. Well, I also feel like it's going to be a bit of a home field advantage for Baker because there are so many OU fans that love that guy. So I think it could be very interesting, interesting on Sunday. You know, yeah. uh, when I, I watched the uh, I watched all the Browns first three games this week just to try and get an idea of them and and when you look at not just what they are on film but you also look at um you know just some of the statistics and and some of the uh more like down and distance type of figures that the Browns are running with and last year when Kevin Stefanski was the offensive coordinator for Minnesota he ran the ball with the Vikings 37 times against the Cowboys that was the most anybody ran it against the Cowboys all last year um, heading into this year, the Browns are first in the NFL by a wide margin and running it on first down. They're doing that 71% of the time. Uh, they're running at the second most of any team, the, the second highest rate of any team in the NFL. They're running at about 53% of the time. They've got Nick Chubb. They've got Kareem Hunt, who obviously is, is a little banged up right now. Um, but just some of the issues you that the Cowboys... about Kareem Hunt. I know, there, right? yeah. Like you, right. We haven't talked about him this year. No, no, and right. he, he still does. It, it's funny, they get so much from... Nick Chubb in terms of like he I would argue he may be the best cutback runner in the NFL that guy sees the game so much faster than it seems like everybody else who's on the field and he can find those holes and he can cut back whereas Kareem Hunt just comes in and just starts trying to run over people and bowl over people and is just a physically punishing runner um, but I think with the, some of the issues Dallas has had with tackling over the last year and, and some of the stuff they've had with their linebackers over pursuing and and being a little too aggressive and then you know it's a cutback and it's 20 extra yards and, and things like that I do kind of wonder if Kevin Stefanski says look I beat this Cowboys team last year running the ball almost 40 times I've got these two guys I don't see any differences on this defense right now do you think there's a chance that even as weak as the secondary is that Cleveland still says we're going to play our game because we think our game is just too much for Dallas to handle I definitely do because I think the secondary plays into the way the Browns want to run the ball Nick Chubb is a yards you know after contact dude and so is Kareem Hunt and they just they both really shine that way and I, I think the Browns game after game are going to want that to be their identity. And if it floats away from them and they have to adjust, that's fine. But last year's team would have come out with a completely different game plan against what their identity was. I think that Stefanski is all about this and they've got the right. The other story for Cleveland is their offensive line. And they, they it has been really, really solid. Um I would point to a, a Cowboys connection, Bill Callahan, who came in and I, you know, I see the absolute difference in players that last year seemed um, out of orbit and disorganized um, have completely changed their games. There was a guy that John Dorsey signed Wyatt Teller. I believe he was off the bills yep. roster and they traded for him. And it was like, okay, well not everyone's heard of this guy. He is shining at right guard. And that, that filled a big like hole for them. And you got JC Treader, who's an underrated center and Joel Batonio, who's a little banged up too. I would watch that. Um, there, you know, the Browns, they, I, they have not missed a game from Batonio in his entire career. That is an X factor, or if he's just not fully healthy. But in general, they've been a healthy line. Jed Wills at left tackle, who's had a move over from left tackle. I think without Bill Callahan, that might have taken an extra couple months for, to work. But he's played pretty well, and so that's their strength, you know. And I think when you have that kind of a line and you're healthy. Uh, you're going to want to be what you are. So to your point, yes, I think you're going to see in the first, you know, path, they're going to assess where they are. And then if the game gets out of control because Cleveland's defense is a whole different situation, 
you might have to you might have to go to the skies um, more generously down the stretch. You know, Bobby, it just it reminds me of remember when the Cowboys made that trip to Washington and it was Bill Callahan who gave them all sorts of fits. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and it's it's there. there's a lot of actually familiarity here because Kevin Stefanski has gone up against um, has gone up against Mike McCarthy several times from when they were in the NFC North together. Alex Van Pelt, who's the offensive coordinator in uh, Cleveland right now, he's not calling plays. That's still Stefanski. Uh, Alex Van Pelt was on Mike McCarthy's staff for several years in Green Bay. You've got the Bill Callahan connection. Uh, there are, you know, some players here that the Cowboys are pretty familiar with. Um, but it is interesting. You mentioned the um, the injury situation and uh, how they are a little banged up on the offensive line. And, uh, in fact, the injury report just recently came out. Uh, the Browns have six players uh, who are questionable. Batonia, Kareem Hunt, uh, Denzel Ward, Jacob Phillips, the linebacker, and uh, their center, Nick Harris. And they've got three out. Greedy Williams, Tay Davis, and then uh, Dak Prescott's old uh, foe, Adrian Claiborne, is out this Sunday. Um, so that is something that he should be grateful yes, for. Yes, <laughs> you've got three rotational – or you've got three players on defense that are out in this game for the Browns, and then you've got some of their other guys who are, you know, clearly banged up, like Denzel Ward. Um, the Browns seem to be able to get home with just their four pass rushers. There's not a lot of blitzing from them. They, they seem to kind of just trust, okay, we're going to get four guys, we're going to get home, and we need all the help we can. So all seven of the rest of you, you guys are dropping back to cover as much as we can. Um given those sort of troubles they've still had, even dropping back those, that many guys and, and sort of the issues they have with the injuries right now, uh, how much of a issue do you think Dallas's passing attack is going to be and, and this sort of up-tempo game that they've been playing? How, how difficult do you think that's going to be for the Browns on Sunday? I think it was like one of those like scales where it's like green to red. I'd put it in like the deep... <laughs> crimson red scenario i really do because denzel ward they've been good because their their stars have been good miles garrett's been as advertised and he's off to another great season denzel ward is um he's a phenomenal cover man i just he's fun to watch he reminds me of old school dudes like hanford dixon and frank Minifield. i mean he's just reliable and trusty um but he's hurt he's he's never he, you don't you typically see the he's not he's often like a little banged up and he's banged up right now and greedy williams who was you know their high draft pick a year ago has not seen the field at all terrence mitchell is a, has been a really good cornerback for them but they lost a guy grant delpit who was i believe it was their second round pick mm-hmm. And their defensive coordinator, Joe Woods, when he went down, like in in the training camp part of of the season, he basically said, look, I'm going to be honest with you. Like we had so much planned around Grant Delpit and what he would do at safety. And I think that disrupted everything for them. They did go and grab a guy. um, They traded for him, Ronnie Harrison from the Jaguars, who they think is a versatile type of safety that Grant Delpit has been. But he's been coming. He's been playing very little. They're, They're really easing him in. So the secondary is banged up. It's raw. It's it's vulnerable. It, Sounds I, like the Cowboys. Yes. Another thing I noticed is they, the Browns seem to run a lot more base 4-3 than it seems like other teams do. I mean, they're out there with three linebackers somewhat consistently. It's not a majority of the time, but it's more frequently than others. Is that just kind of they? that's their scheme, that's their approach, it's old school, or, or is that out of necessity? Is there some thinning in the secondary, and is that going to present problems when the Cowboys are trotting out there with three receivers and a running back like Tony Pollard, potentially, who can also split out and play receiver? I mean, Antonio Gibson, I saw, gave him some issues against Washington, and Pollard's kind of a similar player like that. Is that a concern for them? Is just the personnel matchup right now? It is because I I think they what they probably wanted to do 
was consistently have like two linebackers and five defensive backs, including Delpit, who they really liked. And being thin in the secondary, they've had to go more four three. And I don't think they I don't th- think there are three linebackers on the Browns right now that you can consistently trust. That like their their defense gets weaker as you go along because you've got Garrett and Sheldon Richardson, who has been really, really good this season. Yeah. The linebacking crew is really young and inexperienced. I think there's future talent there, but they've been getting killed by tight ends. And, you know, these scat backs and guys in space, they're not adept at that. And then the secondary, as we talked about before, has issues. So I, it's, it's um, you know, even Washington last week had, had Dwayne Haskins not thrown like a slew of hideous interceptions. They could have won that game. They made some plays. And I think anyone can make plays against Cleveland's secondary. And so I think it's a bit of a terrifying game from that angle for Cleveland, because I mean, I'm looking at every, the last Cowboys game I watched, you know, first quarter, I'm thinking this, this wide receiver looks best. It's Amari Cooper. Oh no. Now it's Michael Gallup. Oh, I think CD lamb. And then, you know, it's like, Oh, Cedric Wilson suddenly has two (laughs) touchdowns. So, I mean, there's an embarrassment of riches. They're all really um, challenging guys to deal with. And I don't think Cleveland has the men to do it. They're going to have to find other ways. I think getting in Dak's face might be the the best way to create issues with miles Garrett, another Texas guy. That's your way. You know, it's so funny, too, you reference Miles Garrett. I remember doing a show here locally, CBS 11, and gifting him these awards. And, you know, he was a big kid then, but just how big he is now. It's just weird that I'm getting so old that now Miles <laughs> Garrett is now, what, three years, four years in the league? Fourth year I'm in the league. Fourth year in the yeah. league. God. I got to uh, tell you one quick thing about him. I, yeah. I went um, – when when teams come to play at least before like the chargers uh they would stay in the section of downtown la that's sort of an eight block by eight block coordinate off thing so they wouldn't float off into hollywood or malibu or whatever and so it was this little sort of downtown area and i went down to meet a friend who worked for the browns and i walked into the hotel lobby and like miles garrett walked by me and i just like Outside of maybe Jadevian Clowney, I've never really seen a human being built and who looks like him. And I'm like, it is clear that like we we. Uh, I mean, I am like I I could have seven thousand children. They would never look anything like Miles Garrett. He's like the most incredible looking specimen I've ever seen in my life. And I was just like floored by how big he is. I mean, it's like the dude is a different looking human being. He is. Well, you are one of my favorite human beings. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this show for us. And I love your passion for the Browns. I hated seeing it extinguished after that Thursday night football game. Uh, I'll never forget Baker Mayfield coming to the set. I was buying in too, and I hope that they can string it together at some point. Well, we'll see guys. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I hope it's a good game. I think it will be. I think it's going to be a shootout. We're talking about a Browns-Cowboys game being a good one. (laughs) You're the best. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, 
Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right. Well, it's good to be back in the chair and doing the show with my man, Bobby Belt. Uh, Cowboys fans, I, I really, really hope for your sake. As Bobby said uh, earlier in the show, you guys have been fairly rational. I'm calling it apathy. I think apathy is going to turn to rage, though, if we're talking about a Cowboys loss at home to the Browns. So... I'm hoping for you. You've had to deal with enough in 2020. You certainly don't need that. Uh, But also stay tuned to NFL Network this weekend. I have got a feature piece that I'm really excited about. An amazing, amazing woman who is the Saints yoga instructor who found out that she had cancer while she was working out with the team. Really good story. Really great lady. Uh, But it is crucial catch month for the NFL. And it really does talk about the importance of getting yourself checked early detection is key but we will chat with you on the other side don't bs me right now okay i'm bs proof at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits... LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 